0: Hello, hello, hola, and what's up? Welcome or welcome back to the Hope Chase Podcast. I am Angie and I am your host. Thank you so fucking much for listening. This is episode 11. So grab a coffee, a tea, a snack, or whatever else and turn your volume up because for the next half an hour or so, I'm going to talk a little bit about self-sabotage I'm going to be giving you some examples of what self-sabotage has looked like for me. And really, what the fuck I'm doing about it. And today's question, do you self-sabotage? Do you know that you self-sabotage? I'm going to talk all about it. Before I get started, can I just say that I never really, never really imagined that I, in, in any fucking reality, I never imagined that I would ever be upset that summer is here. <laughs> it is summer here now on the island. I'm upset about it. <laughs> I'm very upset about it. And if you know me, you know that I have a very bad sweating problem. And most people say, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, I sweat so much too. No. (laughs) No. You do not know how bad I sweat, if you're saying that, because it is a fucking problem. It interferes with my life. It is a problem. Five minutes outside, and I'm dripping. Today I was doing laundry (laughs) outside, and... I was standing outside for five minutes, standing in front of my freaking washing machine for five minutes while the water filled up. And I was dripping sweat. I mean, I mean dripping sweat. I'm not exaggerating. I am upset that summer is here and I just am using it for more motivation, more fuel to get my shit done. Because as soon as I can, as soon as this shit starts to take off, the success starts to roll in. I'm looking at places to move. <laughs> this heat, I just I just can't take it anymore. But, anyways, let's get into it. <laughs> if you suffer with addiction, then you are probably no stranger to self sabotaging behavior. Or even without the addiction, even if you're normal, I am sure that you have self-sabotaging behavior. Everybody does. And I've been thinking a lot about this this week. Every single fear that we have is all rooted in self-sabotaging behavior. I will self-sabotage because I have a fear of success. Or people will self-sabotage because they have a fear of failure. Whatever your fear might be. And where does that come from? Where do those fears come from? Why do we self-sabotage? Doing this work on myself over the past couple years or so, I've done a lot of work and have uprooted a lot of shit that stems from my upbringing, things that I learned growing up, the things that we tell ourselves, the things that I tell myself. As sort of an excuse as to why I can't achieve something those are called limiting beliefs so whatever lies we are telling ourselves or whatever lies I tell myself that's a limiting belief so I've uncovered a lot of my own limiting beliefs one of them as I've mentioned before is this fear of success that I have the limiting belief the lie that I tell myself is that I won't be able to handle it if something goes well or I won't be able to live up to the challenge if something does succeed or if this does succeed. 95% of what we do comes from our subconscious brain. That's all the shit that you don't even know about. That's all the shit that you've internalized growing up uh, from other sources, your friends, your family, the media, your school. You're operating from your subconscious 95% of the time. So you're not even conscious of 95% of the shit that you do. That is a fact. Look it up. Look it up if you want. So in uncovering all of this shit, I'm uncovering the shit that's going on in my subconscious brain in order to change the way we really live, in order to change how we perceive reality, in order to change our reality, we have to decode all that shit that's going on that we don't even know about. All the shit that we learned from years of growing up, years of hearing shit in school, on TV, from our friends or whatever, all the messages that we received that we don't even know about. All of our bad habits. All of our good habits, all of the things that we do, quote unquote, automatically, all of that is comes from our subconscious brain. Our subconscious is filled with all of the things that we think make up who we are. Like, oh, she's just a bitch. That's just who she is. Oh, I'm just a forgetful person. Oh, I'm just a slob. That's just who I am both good and bad it all comes from our subconscious brain the shit that we kind of automatically do without really thinking about it so in order to really change in order to really transform your life and create or change your reality you have to go into this subconscious piece of yourself dig up you know what those fears are where they came from what are those lies you're telling yourself where they came from in your upbringing or in school or wherever it may be, you have to deal with it. You have to expose it. You have to let it go. And ultimately in doing this, reprogram your brain to do something else. And it can be a little bit more difficult to do this work when you've had a good childhood. i Had a great childhood. I didn't have a bad childhood. I didn't have any childhood trauma. I mean, just because you have a good childhood doesn't mean you turn out perfect. Nobody's perfect. Even if you have a good childhood, it doesn't mean that your parents didn't have any issues themselves. And whatever they had within themselves is going to play out when raising you. And in turn, you're going to probably internalize the same sort of limiting beliefs as your parents. When I think back I'm like, but I but I had a good childhood I don't understand. It makes it so difficult because you really 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 have to look at every single thing that happened because there isn't this one big event or there isn't this one specific traumatic thing that happens that I can basically blame everything on. When you're doing this work, it doesn't mean that you're looking for somebody to blame. <laughs> You know, you're not looking for somebody to blame. You're just looking for that root reason, that time in your life where this started, where this belief started, where you internalized this belief that has ultimately affected your entire life. It doesn't mean anybody's at fault. It doesn't mean, you know, you can go on blaming your mom or your dad or whoever for the rest of your life and feel Okay. When I went to college, I, I don't really think that I really wanted to go. I just did it because I thought that's what was expected of me. But I know that I majored first in nursing because my dad wanted me to be a nurse. And I figured, oh, you know, it's a good way to make money. It's a good career to have. So that's what I did. I didn't necessarily want to do it. I mean, it was something I was interested in, but it's not something that I, you know, wanted to do for the rest of my life. But I did it anyways. What I was really interested in was the dance and the creative stuff and the art and all the the creative shit. Because I was a dancer for 15 years of my childhood from like, you know, the earliest you can start dancing until I was about 17 or 16. And I fucking loved it. And I didn't even want to stop. The only reason why I had to stop was because basically I was told to choose one between cheerleading and dance I really knew that I couldn't continue to dance after high school I couldn't really make a career out of it even if I wanted to that wasn't a career to have I probably wasn't going to make any money off of it and forget about it and you got to do something that's going to you know be successful you got to do something that you can do for the rest of your life and what I wanted to do didn't matter While I wasn't being given that encouragement of you can do anything you want in life, I really was hearing kind of the opposite. No, you can't do anything you want. Really, this is what you should do because this is what's going to be probably the most successful long term for the rest of your life. And then after two and a half, three years of college of being a nursing major in undergrad, I decided, oh, you know what? I don't want to be a nurse. I'm going to switch to psychology. And I looked how much money I could make, and I kind of presented it to my dad in that way. I had to kind of <laughs> give him like a report on why I wanted to change my major, and this is what I could do with it, and, you know, I can make a life with it. And he was like, all right, whatever you want to do. So I changed my major, and it was literally right before my clinical would start. So I had already done all the hard work. I had already done the academic piece of it. The real reason was because I didn't think that I could do it. Through grad school was so incredibly easy for me. It's ridiculous. I mean, I breezed through the rest of my undergrad and through grad school, definitely was not living up to any kind of potential that I had. I just, it was easy for me. And so then I move on to becoming a drug addict, all the jobs that I had. Now, when I worked as a therapist during that time is when I picked up heroin. So I was actively using coke and heroin and all the things while I was working as a therapist. One job that I had with the city of Boston, I essentially had to quit before I got fired because it was very much leaning towards me getting fired <laughs> because I was falling asleep in in meetings. It was just a mess. My boss had recommended me to the EAP, which is the Employee Assistance Program. And at that moment, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get fired, so I might as well quit first. So I quit that job. Stupid me thinking, oh, I still have my shit together. I can get another job as a therapist. Sure, I'm a raging heroin addict, but why not? So I go on to get another job as a therapist, working for an adolescent Uh, program in an adolescent jail. As I continued to use, I was continually late, even though I was literally five minutes down the street from this job. I was late every single morning. I would completely just skip meetings because I was meeting my dope dealer. I would literally go out on my lunch break to meet my dealer. He would literally keep me waiting for like two hours sometimes. And that was way more important to me than going back to work. So I would come up with an excuse. I would miss meetings. I would show up late. It was a mess. So I ended up getting fired after just a few months. Then I would go on to, you know, wait tables at several, several, several jobs. And I ended up getting fired from all of them, <laughs> essentially because I was always late. Again, I was meeting my dope dealer. I would disappear for a couple hours. I would just get fired from all the jobs. I mean, I'd go with with insanely bad track marks all on my arms, stupid me thinking that I could, you know, lie my way out of it, saying it was something else, but let's be real, come on, Ange, you know, I was just insanely stupid. There's only so many excuses you can, you can tell yourself. I mean, of course I was like, it was a joke, like, oh, I got fired, oh, I got fired. It was, kind of became a joke. But I mean, after a couple of times, it's got to do some sort of damage, continually sends a message to your subconscious. You're continually kind of getting this message like you're not good enough, right? You're getting fired. You're not good enough to do this job. You cannot do this job. After a while, I thought, well, why bother even finding another job because I'm not going to be able to do it anyways. And that played a huge role into me getting another job. I knew it would be relatively easy for me to actually get, the job. But whether or not I could do the job, I really didn't think I could. I mean, obviously, duh, I was a raging heroin addict. (laughs) I couldn't do the job. When you are in the active addiction, when I was actively using, it becomes harder and harder and harder to separate yourself from the addiction. It becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, What came first, the chicken or the egg? Was I always this person who, you know, couldn't do the job? Or did I become that person after I started using? You lose yourself 100% completely in the addiction. So then I started to look at other things that pretty consistently happened throughout all those years of using. I thought of all the detoxes, all the programs that I've been to. And like I mentioned in another episode, I literally left AMA, literally left all the detoxes against medical advice. I can only remember completing one detox throughout that entire 15, 17 year period of time. And that's only because I was like an hour away from my house and I had no idea how I would get home if I had left. And programs, I would always, always leave the program to get high. And although I was telling myself that I wanted to leave, I wanted to leave and get high. I mean, let's be honest, nobody really wants to continue that lifestyle. I mean, yeah, of course I wanted to get high, but that's only because I was so sick and I was feeling so uncomfortable. And so the message I was giving myself from leaving all of those detoxes, the message that I was receiving that I internalized was that. I wouldn't be able to live. I wouldn't be able to do the work. I wouldn't be able to do the job of staying clean. Like I mentioned too in another episode, the longest clean time I was ever able to put together, besides being in jail, was 11 days. So I was giving myself the message over and over and over and over again that I wasn't even going to be able to do the job. I wasn't going to be able to succeed at staying clean. So why bother even trying? And a lot of times with addiction, you see that it becomes harder and harder for addicts to separate themselves from the addiction. Oh, I'm just a junkie. Or... I'm a crackhead, or, you know, I don't deserve this because of whatever I did when I was addicted. And you begin to believe that the person you became in the addiction is who you really are. It gets harder and harder to remember who you were before the addiction. A lot of times we internalize this and begin to believe that we are that person, we are the addiction. And if you're someone like me who struggled for such a long period of time, then you probably don't even really remember who you were before the addiction or before you started using. You don't know who you were without the using. And this is where it's so important to remember that addiction is a mental disorder. It is a disease of the mind. The using of the drugs, like I've said before, is just a symptom. The addiction is not the using of the substances, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever the addiction is. The traits that make up addiction were always there. They were there before you even started using. And in my case, like even after I stopped using, all of those traits were still there. So it makes sense. That in order to actually really change, (laughs) in order to actually change your life, you have to address these core traits that led to the addiction in the first place. Stopping using is just one small piece of it. So for me, self-sabotaging behavior, my fear of success, my settling for less was all there before I even started using. Even if it were conscious or not, it's all there. And it's all rooted in this fear. Addiction is rooted in fear. It's all about fear. And when we start using originally, we think it's the answer to that fear. We think it's the answer to the problem. But then as it gets worse and starts to interfere with our lives, that behavior that we thought was the answer then becomes the problem and it becomes a part of who we think we are but in order to actually heal in order to actually change we have to realize that the using and the addiction isn't the actual problem and the problem which is the fear and if we're looking specifically into self-sabotaging it was there the entire fucking time even before i started using I continually settled for less in my life because of this fear that I have, this fear of success. The settling for less is the actual self-sabotaging behavior. I would just choose not to try for anything because I figured, why bother? I couldn't get it anyways. So I would just consistently settle for less because maybe I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think I would be able to maintain it. I didn't think I would be able to achieve it. I remember when I was working as a therapist in the addiction field, a lot of my clients had similar fears. A lot of my clients would self-sabotage after you know, putting a few months of clean time together. And they would put themselves in sketchy situations simply because they pretty much knew what the outcome was going to be. They would put themselves in, you know, situations where they would end up relapsing because they didn't think that they could handle staying clean. They didn't think that they could live up to doing the job. They didn't think that they would be able to succeed in staying clean, so they would sabotage themselves. And thinking of my own fear of success, when I think of where I want my life to go and what I want to be doing five years from now and what I want to happen with this podcast and what I want to happen with, you know, my social media channels, when I think of what I want to achieve, I, for some reason just think that I won't be able to handle it. I don't think that I'll be able to live up to the job. And this is why I repeatedly say that it takes practice because oftentimes when you're around somebody with an addiction and they self-sabotage or they relapse and they put themselves in a shitty situation, most people look at that and they say, Oh, you know, why'd you do that? Things were going so good. Like, like, what happened? Everyone needs to understand that this fear of success is real. When things start to go good, when things start to go well, it's fucking scary. They don't really think that they'll be able to function in a successful environment. That's why I say it takes practice because it doesn't come easy. When a lot of times it's assumed that, oh, things are going well, why, you know, things are going good, that should be easy, when in reality, it's fucking not. It's very important to send the message, you're capable, you can do it, it's normal to feel that way, and especially in the recovery and the addiction space. Knowing better, though, doesn't mean shit unless we do better. I know so much about myself, I am almost too self-aware. I know all this shit about myself, but what's the use of knowing if I'm not going to actually do anything about it? (laughs) It's not enough to just know better. We have to do better once we know better. In doing this work on myself, this is what needs to be done in order to achieve what I want, in order to get to the end of the road, in order to actually achieve the success that I do want and the success that I do know that it's coming. As soon as I let go of this shit, this has to be done first. None of the success, none of those achievements are going to come until I let go of all of this shit. Until I go through, one by one by one, all of these fears that I have, all of these limiting beliefs that I have. I have to identify them. I have to look at them. I have to uncover the why, the root, the reason why I feel this way and let it all go. In order for me to achieve the success that I want in life that I know is waiting for me. I know it's right around the fucking corner. And that's kind of what makes my fear a little bit worse (laughs) because I will put off doing things. I will put off doing the videos. I will put off doing the content. I have notes of ideas for videos written all over the place. And then I just won't do them. Because I have this fear of success. Because I know that once I do them, then the success is going to come. There's a small part of me that is just scared shitless for that to happen. Because what's going to happen then? Am I going to be able to live up to it? Am I going to be able to do the work that is necessary in order to maintain that success? And in order for any of that to even come into my life, I have to let go of all of these fucking fears. I mean, it's really such an ass backwards thing. (laughs) Like, so it's just an oxymoron really, because (laughs) while I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, what I want to achieve, I know what I want to achieve. And I know that the success is coming, but in the same (laughs) breath, I am putting it off because I'm scared of that success to come. It's such a mind fuck. (laughs) Now, I hope this has made some kind of sense. (laughs) I wanted to get more into depth about the work that I'm doing, the work that I've done And I know self-sabotage is a very common thing. I know fear of success is very common in the addiction community. And I wanted to just give you a little glimpse as to how you can address these things. Because any change or anything that you want to come into your life is not going to last unless these things are addressed. Because you're always gonna continue to regress back to these same behaviors if they're not identified if they're not let go so anything that you want to come into your life isn't going to last so if you really want change to happen if you really want change to stay if you really want to change your life for the long term this shit needs to be done and that's it that's it that's all I have to say about this for today thank you so much for joining the hope chase thank you so much for tuning in don't forget to follow along from whatever platform you are listening from follow this podcast leave a rating and a review please 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 to help me get noticed by the bigger platforms out there and don't forget to follow along on social media at the hope chase pod on both tiktok and instagram and currently starting and working on the youtube channel the name of the youtube channel is the hope chase i think that's it for social media so thank you once again for listening to today's episode this is the hope chase podcast i am angie and welcome to the shit show see you next time